Welcome to the Nicolay Wealth Management Investment Podcast. On this episode, you will hear Adam Longley and Mike Steppy give an update on the financial markets. Talk about how the Wisconsin school referendums have been received by the market. Discuss recent inflation reports and the impact of the collapse of the crypto market. They will also touch on why the U.S. Treasury yield curve inversion is getting wider. And Mike will share his insights about how the election impacted the municipal bond market. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss the latest updates on investment management, the economy, and much more in this podcast hosted by Anthony Wilhelms of Nicolay Wealth Management. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Anthony Wilhelms, your host. We're back with another episode of the Nicolay Wealth Management Podcast. We have, as always, Mike Steppy and Adam Longley today to talk about the economy. We'll also touch on municipal bonds the, or the municipal market, inflation, talk about crypto, and hit every other interesting topic along the way. Mike, will you kick us off in an up, with an update on what's happened over the past couple of weeks? Sure. November has been a really eventful month in the financial markets. There were, as I think about it, there are three sort of key events that reinforced existing trends. The first one is we had a strong employment report at the beginning of the month. Non-farm payrolls increased 261,000 jobs. Um, that follows September, which was up 292,000, and August up 315,000. So sort of reinforcing this idea of labor scarcity being a major challenge because employment staying strong. Second item that we had was a high turnout election. Uh, Republicans gained control of the House. Democrats maintained control of the Senate. With most people not participating in the polls prior to the election, uh, we didn't really know how this was going to turn out. Lots of people had opinions. Um, they were frequently different from the actual outcomes. So it was really fascinating couple of days to sort of watch the election results. From a financial market perspective, we're locked into a couple more years of Washington, D.C. gridlock. And the market's sort of used to that. So, it, but it, you know, it sort of reinforces that trend. Third, we got a lower CPI report than anticipated. The trend here, inflation is coming down, but it's coming down slowly. The October CPI was up 7.7% versus the expectations that the market had that it would be 7.9% on a year-over-year basis. Not surprisingly, shelter, food, energy were among the contributors to the increase. So when you step back and you get all that news in a couple of weeks, since, since 1031, the S&P 500 is up a little over 2%. The 10-year Treasury yields are down about 25 basis points. And the dollar is weakened by about 4.5% off a really strong base. So that's sort of the, the reset as to where we are. That's great, Mike. I love the update, all the nice events we can talk about, the inflation readings and the Treasury yield changing. While we're on the inflation topic, would you give us a feel for why the market reacted so strongly to the, well, to me, a 0.2% uh, change it from expectation to actual doesn't feel that significant, but we saw a pretty big move. What, what led to that? We did. 
And again, yeah, the 7.7 versus 7.9. But what it did was it sort of gives the Fed some justification for slowing the pace of rate increases. So everybody's focused right now on what's the Fed going to do. And we've had four consecutive rate increases at the last four meetings of 75 basis points each. So the market's looking and saying, when is it that the Fed is going to pivot to a slower, they're still going to increase rates, but are they going to slow that down in terms of the, the magnitude of the increases going from 75 to 50? And the market came to that conclusion based on the fact that they're seeing this trend to lower inflation. Probably wouldn't have happened if you would have seen that number come in above 8%. So the expectation right now for CPI for 2022 is a number in the low eights, 8% to 8.5%, somewhere in that vicinity for this year. And for next year, people are thinking about a number sort of between 3.7 and 4.2%. So we're seeing inflation come down, but it's a slow progress there. And again, against the, uh, a backdrop of the Fed is targeting a 2% increase. Um, so we're looking right now, 7.7 year over year increase is high, but it's off a of 9.1. When you think back to June, we were just looking at a 9.1. So it feels better than that. We are in a declining mode and, and that's positive. Hey, I'll take any relief we can get. That's good to hear. Uh, Adam, I'll come over to you related to earnings, and maybe you'll give us continued good news like Mike um, as we talk about fourth quarter earnings releases. What have you seen? Yeah, earnings um, pretty much have been uh, completed. This would be third quarter earnings are in the books. You know, results were largely in line with expectations. Uh, expectations had been reduced a little bit before. They started to report, but much, much better than feared. Um, and I think that's been a positive catalyst and one of the reasons why the, the stock market has done well last month or so. Top line sales grew 9-10%, you know, aided by uh, inflation. Margins uh, contracted, I'd say significantly. This is due to costs have increased, um, still supply chain issues, labor costs are, are a headwind to profitability. Um, so earnings grew by two or three percent off of sales up ten. That's a trend we've seen. Um, you know, earnings continue to be largely um, driven by the energy sector. If you stripped out energy and looked at the rest of the market, um, earnings would have contracted by five or six percent. You also saw another trend was fewer companies beat expectations relative to what we've seen in the past couple quarters. Um, still, still a you know, two thirds of the market beat, but normally three on a four would. Um, energy, industrials, kind of consumer discretionary spending were, were kind of the best. Um, materials, financials, communication sector lag. Um, communication sectors where you kind of see some of the social media stocks, they've announced major layoffs as those businesses have, have seen slowdowns. I think the major topics so companies re release earnings and then they have a, a, a call where they discuss and, and take questions by far the, the topics and what's on people's mind is the supply chain and, and what we've seen is it's getting better um, layoffs and, and what that means for for the labor market 
And then just uh, all things in, in inflation, um, you know, the supply chain getting better helps bring inflation down, layoffs, cooling of the labor market helps inflation, kind of what Mike was talking about, some, some more evidence that that headwind can, continues to get better. And I think, again, that is, is helping support equity, equity prices. Adam, I'm going to ask a follow-up inflation question. Feel free to kick it over to Mike if you think it's in his wheelhouse. He mentioned that uh, the do- during his opening that the dollar has softened from highs, I think, by maybe 4 or 5% recently. Do you see any issues with inflation longer term if we see the dollar drift back to more historic levels or even slightly fall off from here, 4 or 5%, 10% from here? It, it does affect the flow of goods um, and the competitiveness of international versus U.S. Um, it's it's just one piece of the puzzle. Um, I, I don't know if Mike would disagree or, or add anything. I would say the interest rate differentials have been part of the reason for that, so of, of the recent setback in it. So I think it it has sort of modest implications short term. Longer term, it certainly is impactful. But when you're looking at it over the next six to nine months, it's it's a smaller piece. Sure. Be an interesting to follow. I appreciate you both uh, putting some clarity on that. Mike, I'm going to come to you with a topic that I always love getting to talk about. Crypto, it's falling apart, it feels like. So can you help us understand what's happening with FTX, Alameda, uh, and, and crypto more broadly? Sure. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what, what, a, what a debacle. So the collapse of FTX and the sister trading house Alameda Research has certainly been the main topic on the news. The, the lack of good governance at FTX is sort of frightening when you think about it. Um, you know, comments like, only a fraction of FTX digital assets have been located. I, I have here on the corner of my desk uh, a quote that was from the new guy who's, who's uh, in there running FTX. And he says, from compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. When you hear things like that, you sort of go, wow. Um, the, the Bank for International Settlements in a working paper recently estimated that 81% of customers in Bitcoin have lost money. So you have this situation where Bitcoin and, and the crypto market, well, Bitcoin, peaked in November 2021 at over 69,000, trading down to 16,000. So you've got this failure of trust. And uh, what people thought was an area that they could trust has has turned to have a lot of uh, compromised uh, situations. So that's sort of going to play out. And we don't know. Nobody knows sort of all the background details on this. But it's certainly a problem situation. Well, I appreciate the background. It's one we continue to pay attention to. Uh, and it's uh, it, there's a lot of lessons to be learned throughout all of this process. Adam. Anthony, can I, yes, can I add Adam, something? Definitely. You know, I think what I learned was you can't create an asset and sell 
1% to your buddy for, for 10,000 and then claim that you have a million dollar asset on your book and, and use that as collateral and loan against it. I mean, it's, I think we're, we're seeing some of that. Right. And I think what you're saying, like if there's a uh, thousand shares of something and one share trades at a thousand dollars, it doesn't mean that someone will pay for the remaining shares, the same price, even though it moves the market cap like that, like we saw and with if, some of these assets. And if you do it a bunch of times, you can't say you're worth 50 billion either. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that uh, perspective on it. I think it's, uh, it'll be interesting to follow along. These things tend to, uh, play out over months or years in terms of understanding the full implications of it. Something I'll, we'll all continue to follow. I'll stick with you, Adam. You mentioned when you were talking about uh, earnings earlier that it, it seems like energy has still led the way. Can you speak more specific to returns for the for Q3 and into Q4? What's leading the way? Are there any other places of strength or opportunities? Um, yeah. <clears throat> You know, as the equity markets rallied here, um, the low point was mid-October, up, you know, 10, 11% off the lows. Um, November, we're up 2%. That's on the, um, the the back of being up 8% in October. You know, year-to-date, we're still down 15%, but much better than the, at, at the worst, we were down 25. So what we've seen in this in this most recent rally is, is, a, is a couple of trends. You know, one is, Interest rates have, have started to go down a little bit. Look at the 10-year uh, U.S. Treasury, for example. It was four and a quarter. Now it's three and three quarters. Um, you know, a 30-year fixed rate mortgage went from 7.3 to 6.8-ish. So as, as rates have come down, bonds have done well. So bonds are up 2% investment-grade bonds. Uh, um, and then, you know, interest rate sensitive securities have done well. So and at, at the extreme, you think of a basket of tech stocks that have no profits. So most of their value is, is in the future. Um, those are up over 15%. Growth in general is done quite a bit better than value in the last month or so. Um, growth is up called 13 and a half, value is up eight. So you got five or six percentage points of own performance in a short period of time. Uh, we've actually seen domestic, uh, uh, some international has, has done well also. I think maybe got a little oversold. So that, that's up more than the U.S. here recently. And then back to interest rate sensitivity. So things like utilities uh, have underperformed as they're less attractive given where, where rates are on bonds. Um, and, and you've seen, we've talked about technology, Communi- communication services has, has done pretty good. Um, and then some of the more defensive sectors, like a healthcare, um, has trailed as, as people are looking to take more risk. So a lot of it is a reversal of what we saw um, through the first three quarters of the year. That's, uh, I appreciate that uh, perspective on everything, Adam. Mike, it makes me think of a question for you related to interest rates. Adam mentioned that the rates on treasuries have come down a bit. We've seen mortgages come down, yet this is still in the face of the Fed saying they're going to raise rates. We still have an inverted or more inverted yield curve. Can you break this into a few questions or answers here, Mike? Of how, how can we have longer-term bonds go down while yields are still going up on shorter-term bonds? And why does this matter for the economy? 
It matters a lot because it's been one of the signals of when there's going to be an economic downturn. So that's why it's important. When you look at it, the two-year part of the Treasury curve, two-year notes are trading around 4.5%. And it sort of makes sense. We see the Fed likely to push rates up another 100 basis points, 50 basis points at the December meeting, 50 basis points at the February 1st or March meeting. So, and you look at that and you say, yeah, they're going to push rates up around 5%. And then uh, the market's looking out and saying sometime in the second half of next year, rates will probably have to come down 50 basis points or so. So when you look at that, you sort of look and say uh, a two-year around four and a half makes some sense. So it's sort of dominated by what's happening with the Fed. The market is looking out longer term and saying, okay, when you're pricing a 10-year U.S. Treasury note, the thinking is that inflation will come back down closer to 2%. And once the Fed sees that inflation is under control, the Fed will lower overnight rates to boost economic activity. And so they're pricing 10-year Treasuries around 380. So you look at that and you say, okay, um, what's going to close this gap? Right now, the yield curve is inverted by 69 basis points. That's the, the most steeply inverted we've been in the last 40 years. So when that happens, you look at it and say, what's likely to, to have that narrow? And to me, I'm thinking the market's probably going to get surprised by how sticky inflation is. So if inflation stays up a little more than what the market is pricing in, and that's because of wages and shelter costs, as well as the deglobalization that local sourcing is gonna cost more, because of those factors, uh, you could see the long end have to push back up. So I think you will see a narrowing, but it's probably gonna be because the long end is gonna move a little higher versus the short end. Ah, I love the explanation. Mike, I'm going to stick with you on a topic that I love your perspective on, which is related to municipal bonds. Uh, I don't think anyone out there has been able to avoid the headlines of the recent elections. One of the details that Mike has uh, unique expertise in is how does this affect municipalities, specifically the finance and issuance of debt? Mike, can you talk about maybe specific to Wisconsin, what you've been seeing, but more broadly as well? Sure. This election, again, all the headlines are about the Democratic candidates and the Republican candidates. I like to dig in and look at sort of what's happening on a local level with referendums. And in Wisconsin, there were probably about 100 municipalities that went out and asked their uh, their electors to uh, whether one of two things, either at, or sometimes both, asking that they could exceed their annual revenue limits or specific authority to issue debt for facility related. They're gonna build a new school or build an addition onto a school. And when you look in uh, Northern Wisconsin as an example, there were 10 of those deals that sort of jumped out at me that I've been looking at. Appleton uh, asked for uh, authority to do 129.8 million. Eau Claire, 98.6 million. Green Bay, 92.6 million, and Menasha, 99.7 million. 
That was at the November 8th election. So again, a lot of money sort of getting vested in schools. And when you looked at the vote count, this is sometimes in some elections, it's really close. This one, when you look at those four large ones, uh, Appleton uh, won 69.4% voted for it. Eau Claire, 64%. Green Bay, 68.5%. And Menasha, 66.1%. So those weren't even close. So clearly there was uh, an effort uh, by people to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to put more money into our schools. And so that's going to wind up with uh, bigger municipal deals uh, probably the early part of next year as, as this sort of progresses forward. That's interesting. It'll be fun inventory to uh, to go through for purchasing, right? Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm looking at it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, I'm going to stick with you, Mike, and uh, ask you a question still related to bonds, but on the mortgage back side. So Adam mentioned how rates have changed on the 30-year from over seven to now just a bit under seven. How are things changing in the mortgage back security market? Absolutely. They've come off their peaks. So we've seen 7%, now down 6.5% area. Um, most current activity isn't happening in that 30-year. So everybody looks at what's a 30-year conventional mortgage going for. But now most people that are taking out a mortgage are taking out a five-year arm or a seven-year arm. And those rates are more in the 55 to 6% sort of range. So I watch uh, that market closely because I'm really attuned to what's happening with mortgage-backed securities. So when those get packaged, those mortgages get packaged up and they're sold into the secondary market. Like most fixed income securities, mortgage-backed securities haven't performed very well this year. Uh, the index is down, the mortgage-backed securities index is down 12.37% through November 17th. So, so negative returns. And as you look at it right now, the big concerns out there for the outlook for next year, mortgages have call risk to the investor. So if you lock into this mortgage rate that you think, wow, I really like this 6% uh, mortgage, all of a sudden it can be gone next year because the person can refinance out of it. So you've got more of that call risk than investors want right now. Investors thinking that rates are gonna eventually come back down, that's already priced into the market. They don't want to have that much call risk. And second, the Fed may start to sell some of their mortgage-backed portfolio holdings, and that supply would be coming into a nervous market. And so those things are sort of making mortgages right now sort of unattractive. With the call risk, that comes from uh, borrowers prepaying their mortgage because rates go down. Is that right. how that and works? Everybody's gotten good at that mortgage refinancing. So the borrowers are good at it. The banks are good at it. Everybody's got that down to a system. So it's a phone call and bam, uh, you've more you've you've refinanced. Mm -hmm. And then the other side with the Fed maybe starting to exit the mortgage market would that that would push up rates over time right so it's just making a lot of uncertainty out there is that the Correct. message that so we're getting it, it would add to the supply from historically the biggest buyer in the market and so all of a sudden they become a seller and people get nervous perfect um 
well, I don't know if perfect is the right word I should use there, but I appreciate the explanation. <laughs> Adam, I'm going to come back to you with one more question. And uh, uh, related to post-elections, when we have, um, we'll say, a divided government and how that typically plays out for equity markets, maybe I shouldn't use typically, but historically has played out for equity markets. Do you have any, can you comment on any of that? Um, gridlock is good. Um, and I, I think you've quickly seen that priced in as well as there was some risk and some concern that maybe the handoff and power would not go smoothly and, and we've seen it go go pretty well um so i, I think that's largely been um digested and, and priced into the market now that's i appreciate the uh perspective i'll, I'll keep telling myself that in investments or markets gridlock is good that's a good takeaway for me uh mike and adam i had a lot of fun with you guys today and learned a bunch these are great topics we touched on. To our audience, thank you for joining us. We're always available. Please reach out to any of us or anyone on the Nicolay Wealth Management team. These are great times of year to be having conversations about planning and investments. There are lots of strategies to be implemented and plans to be reviewed. Uh, in a moment, I'll turn Well, actually, Mike, I'll turn it over to you for some parting thoughts. I think one of the things that I think we're coming to now is the end of this Fed uh, tightening mode. We're in this we're in a spot where they've been increasing by 75 basis points. That's going to shift likely to 50 basis point moves. We'll probably see one or two, but probably by the middle of the first quarter, we're going to have a pretty good idea that they're that you know they've gotten to the rate that they want short-term rates to be at. And I think that will help the market sort of um, you know with with this sort of hanging over the market, it's been difficult. And I think We'll get some more clarity on that over the next 60 days. And I'm, I'm feeling positive about that. Ah, good. Adam, parting thoughts from you. Sure. Um, the stock market's down 15%. The bond market's down 15%. I think for long-term investors looking to, to build wealth, save for retirement, now will we'll prove and, and likely be a really good time to put some money to work. If you... you contributing to a 401k and, and you have uh, the ability to increase your contribution, um, money in IRAs, saving for college, uh, kids, college, 529 plans. This is likely a really good time to, to, to make, make sure you make those contributions. So I'd encourage everyone to talk to your accountant, financial advisor, and, and give it some thought. Well, I appreciate the perspective. Thank you everyone for joining us and we'll talk with you again soon. 